Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, April 3rd, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. How's it going, Alex? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So it's April. I can't even believe that. <laughs> I don't know where the, the time is going, but it's moving quickly. What's the latest for the admissions <laughs> world? I mean, last week was like a crazy week. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the big hitters, Harvard and Stanford, um, released decisions last week. So um, that sort of is the pinnacle of, of, of these sort of decision weeks um, um, and, and so forth, except for our outlier, which is perennially um, <laughs> Sloan, yeah. um, who are scheduled to release decisions on Monday. Now, potentially they might have started calling at the back end of last week. We're recording this a couple of days earlier, so yeah. um, we don't know that. Um, but, they did that last um, year. I think last year yes. they made some calls on the Friday and then some on the Monday, which, I mean, yeah. frankly, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It seems like that creates some anxiety over the weekend for people, but in any event, they... <laughs> a lot of schools do it. It creates a lot of anxiety, which adds a lot of content to Livewire. Yeah, but, you know, I've actually talked to some schools about this, and one of the things is is that the admissions officers really love making those calls. And yeah. so they don't really have another way that they love. I mean, after like being in the trenches, reading all these files, they love getting down, you know, onto the phone and just being the first one to tell someone. I mean, and I, I get that. It's, I mean, you've done it. It's a real lift, right? To, to be able to deliver such great news. One time I called a guy in Peru and um, I'm Alex. I'm from the Wharton school. Can you guess why I'm calling? And the guy's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm calling with great news. And he'd already printed out a rejection letter and stuck it on his fridge. Oh, no. How? So I'm just saying we're not always <laughs> flawless in this process. So wait, was he ultimately <laughs> meant to be admitted or? Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about getting off on the wrong foot. Oh, yeah. At least the mistake was that way around, not the wrong way around. I didn't yeah. pick up a a denied candidate and call yeah. them to tell them they were admitted. There was some, <laughs> I forget what the glitch was. And quite honestly, <laughs> I don't know if they ended up coming to Wharton. They might've gotten an offer somewhere else. I'm, we created unnecessary anxiety. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, the other thing is you mentioned, I think you said Cornell is also yeah. going to be this coming week, right? So yeah. they're hanging so out January with them. January round. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, and it's round three, Graham. So plenty of schools are uh, running round three deadlines now. They're starting to pick up um, last week, this upcoming week, and then yeah. uh, several schools the following week. So we're we're definitely in the midst of round the round three application season. Yeah, and I did. Um, I, I have noted on a plywire. It seems like more than usual we're seeing round three folks interested in you know, just giving it a shot. I don't know if these are people who've been laid off or they're just, you know, they've kind of responded to the school's marketing of round three. But, you know, we'll see how it goes and how much space is left in the classes right. at these programs. But uh, let's see, in other news on the website, we've run a couple of interesting pieces recently. So one of them is uh, a piece called, Does It Matter Where You Get Your MBA? And, you know, the answer is yes, of course it matters, but it delves into a lot of the stuff. So I, I think this is particularly good for people trying to make a decision right now, but also for early birds who are trying to figure out, like, what are the 
things that matter? Is it prestige? Is it ranking? Is it the quality of instruction? Uh, you know, I mean, there are lots of factors, geography. Uh, you know, we even at the beginning of the article, we talk a bit about accreditation and some of the basic stuff that you need to make sure when you're looking at schools. So it's a good piece um, that's new on the site. And I think something that dovetails with it is a second piece we ran, which is called Should Scholarship Dollars Influence Your Decision? And I feel like we're going to talk a lot about that today because we're going to review a couple of decision wire posts that people who've, you know, got some uh, offers and some dollars are trying to, you know, make heads or tails of it all. So that's a good uh, piece to, to read as well. Yeah, I mean, and quite honestly, with the, with the um, you know, downward trend in, in the economy, I think scholarship dollars probably matters a little bit more. I would say. I mean, I think it, it yeah. certainly helps with the risk, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, speaking of the economy and people who are out there working, we continue to publish Real Humans uh, alumni. And and so, we have uh, two pieces that we put up over the last week that are quite interesting. One is a woman named Namisha, and she's an INSEAD grad from 22, so a recent grad who's working at Amazon as a senior manager of corporate business development for, I guess it's Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So, that's her region. And she grew up all across India as an army brat um, because her, I guess it was her father, um, was was in the military. She's now based in London, working for Amazon. And you know, I, I we have these great questions that we ask, and the, the interviews are quite thorough. So I try to pick out a you know a tidbit to share each week on the podcast. So for Namisha, one of the things I thought was interesting is we asked her, "What's one thing you would absolutely do again?" as part of the job search. And you know, she said that one of the things that she thinks is important is reflecting on the next career step through the course of the MBA. That may sound trite, but it's commonly recommended for, for one-year MBAs in particular that you front load all that reflection. So even before business school and maybe the first couple of months of the MBA, and then during the MBA, you just put on tunnel vision and secure that job that you want. And she said that while that seems effective, for recruitment success, and especially tempting given student loans, work visas, et cetera, she feels that she would be remiss if uh, she didn't wait and, and kind of use the rich insights that INSEE had offered to kind of solidify that judgment. So she says, she, I reflected intensely throughout the MBA and, you know, maybe I lost some time meandering through options, questioning what roles, industries, and geography suited me, but it was all worth it. So I guess she's what she's trying to say, I think, is, you know, it's good to have a plan going in, but don't hesitate to kind of revisit and, and make sure that you're heading in the right direction and that you'll, you know, don't don't ignore some signs and things or any kind of pieces of knowledge that you're going to pick up along the way in the MBA program. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But you, 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 you make a very good point. Um, don't take this piece of advice as saying it doesn't matter what your next career move is, and you should don't need to have a plan. I think the better your plan is, the more you can experiment and explore because mm -hmm. you have the structure of the plan to keep yeah. coming back to, to make the most of the overall experience. So I completely agree with, 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 with their sentiment, but it yeah. sort of, I would add that caveat, as you said, come with the plan and then experiment. Yeah. So good advice from Namisha, um, who's a, an INSEAD grad. You can read more about everything she had to say about the Amazon recruitment process and all that stuff online. The other one that we connected with is a guy named Jamie. 
uh, from Wharton. He's also class of 22, and he works at Google in their kind of AI department. I guess he's what he's doing is he's uh, working as a consultant to Google partners to help, I guess, with deployment of AI-related stuff. Uh, he's from Narberth, Pennsylvania. I went to undergrad um, at Haverford College and studied political science, then worked in kind of manufacturing and software for a handful of years before heading off to Wharton. And we had, again, uh, we had a question that I wanted to share his response on. And, and this question was, one thing that you would change or do differently about your kind of experience? And he says, this is obviously really easy to say in hindsight, but I would have stressed less. Some of my classmates with the coolest jobs were in the last group to figure out their plans. The job search feels more important because all of your peers are going through it at the same time, but it's still just one decision of many that you'll make about where to work. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. And I do remember feeling that way too. I mean, it's like when you're in business school, a lot of the kind of very traditional industries start hiring early. And so everyone who's doing consulting or banking or some of these kind of um rotational management programs at big companies like GE, that's all happening pretty early on. And then the people who are looking for those kind of startups or, you know, less traditional industries, whether it's media and entertainment or education, whatever it might be, they're kind of lingering and, and sort of left to sort of figure it out later in the season. So I think he's kind of commenting on that a bit, even though he did go to Google. So it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we reckon he's got, he had a, another connection to Wharton. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't say it in the interview, but I just realized that, um, Professor Carl Ulrich at Wharton is from Narberth, Pennsylvania, and this guy's named Jamie Ulrich, and he and I know Carl Ulrich has a son named Jamie. So, so I think this is um, one of the really um, most famous Wharton professors. Uh, children. So very cool that he stayed local, uh, came to Wharton. He probably had a lot of options given, you know, he went to Haverford, which is a really good school. And, uh, you know, sounds like he had interesting work experience, but anyway, good advice about, you know, and again, he's, as he says, easy to say in hindsight, but I do feel like there is a lot of stress sometimes in, in business school where people are kind of, you know, moving a bit in lemming-like fashion, yes. you know, to kind of grab jobs. So you got to be careful with that. No, great advice. But as you say, it can be challenging waiting and waiting and waiting when the traditional career options are you know, making all the noise early in the process. Yeah, and I, I got to admit, I was a victim of this. So I, I did a whole bunch of recruiting for consulting, and I, I didn't actually want to be a consultant, but I was like, wow, you know, I, I, I knew that I wanted to look for more kind of a, I wanted to be in education or in some sort of a startup type situation. But a lot of my classmates even who were kind of, you know, they would say like, well, you know, why not just interview for the consulting firms? But it took a lot of time, you know, and, and then ultimately I didn't even really want, I mean, I learned, I guess, by going through that process that I didn't want to do it, but it was, yeah, it, it's easy to get sucked into that. So any anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So that's all I had. Obviously, people, if you want to reach out to us, and we have been getting some emails and I, I love them. We actually... Um, I got an email from uh, a, a candidate who is kind of a military person who's going to come on the show with us. And so you can, you know, email us at info at clearedmit.com. Uh, you know, if you have questions or just want to tell us you like the show, please do so. You should also rate and review the show wherever you listen. But other than that, Alex, I don't have anything and we can probably get into our candidate profile reviews for this week if you're ready. Yeah, let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So first up, you've chosen an apply wire entry, and this is interesting in that this candidate uh, is looking to start school in 2025. So they're a couple years out, and they only have one school on the target list, and that is Berkeley Haas. 
They mentioned that they've got three years working in government auditing and investigations. And I guess uh, now they're doing maybe corporate compliance for large for a large health insurer. So they've done both auditing on the government side and now corporate compliance. So similar type roles. They want to get into venture capital or private equity after business school. They also don't rule out the possibility of being an entrepreneur. And they mentioned some big firms as kind of targets like Anderson uh, Horowitz, Charles River, and Sequoia Capital. Their GPA from undergrad is a 3.2, and they have had four years of work experience to date. They are located in the San Francisco Bay area, and they would love to stay in that area. And, you know, this person's also, I mean, very interesting candidate. They're a first-generation college grad and professional. They're from a low-income background. Um, They graduated from one of the historically-backed colleges and universities. Um, They, you know, were active. They were on the debate team, won international titles with that. Um, Their GPA is low, they say, um, because they actually were homeless for the first four months uh, while they were at like a California community college and they were working 55 hours a week throughout undergrad as well. So they've had, you know, some real hurdles to overcome. The the thing that, and I I believe this is maybe why you picked them, Alex, the thing you want to talk about here is they're kind of thinking about part-time. Uh, at a part-time MBA at Haas, or maybe full-time. And also, they just have this one school on the list. So I know you wanted to discuss that, but what's your take on this candidacy? They don't have a GMAT yet, we know. Um, but yeah, what, what are your kind of initial thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> quite a lot will be centered on um, taking that test score, the, the, the test, and hopefully doing very well. Um, but this is your archetypal cat candidate that's come very far, right? So we talk about this quite a lot on, 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 on this show in terms of, you know, some candidates, they, you know, they, they, they come from very successful environments, they go to Ivy League schools, they, you know, their first jobs are highly sought after, but those types of jobs recruit to the Ivy League school, et cetera, et cetera. We see lots of candidates quite like that. At the very other end of the spectrum, you see candidates that Um, they didn't have those opportunities, right? So this candidate went from community college um, to college. They were homeless um, for a period of time. Um, They had to work, um, you know, incredible number of hours per week in order to finance their education. Um, Sort of real classic bootstrapper type story, um, of which, again, Adcom truly admire, I think, or at least certainly in in, in my day. And... um, and it seems to me that they did well um, in undergrad, other than their overall GPA. And also in their career, um, they seem to have done very well on the compliance and auditing side. Um, but they seem to have um, um, stood out. Um, so now they're at a stage of their career where they kind of want to transition out of compliance and, and move into sort of finance and side of things. Um, so they, they want to do a career pivot. Convenience for them, it seems to be their, their number one sort of um, driver here. So potentially doing it the part-time route. They've gotten into a work situation that will give them more flexible time in order to add on a part-time program and maybe engage in some of the activity um, that full-time students do. So on the one hand, I would scrutinize Haas to see what level of flexibility um, the part-timers have in terms of engaging in the full-time program activities, whether it's mm-hmm. the recruiting side, the 
the extracurricular side. I wouldn't take it as a given. Different schools have different structures in terms of how they segment the different programs. Um, so, um, and, and typically for top business schools, the full-time program is their sort of crown jewel and, and oftentimes kept quite separate. So um, they really want to check that in terms of their options but my advice would be um, really study hard and blow that test score out of the water i mean in in the 700s in the 330s whatever it might be depending on the test mm -hmm. and that potentially opens up considerable full-time options has but others too and explore those full-time options. There may well be scholarship money at play and so on and so forth because they want to do this career pivot. Um, that might be actually, the one, the most efficient way to do the career pivot, but also the most accessible way to manage that pivot. Look a little beyond only has. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when I read the person's profile, I thought, wow, this is, you know, th there are schools that would be, you know, lining up to take somebody who is, you know, I mean, the work experience seems solid. The GPA is a bit low, but as you say, if they hit a home run on the standardized test, that could be... Um, you know, adjusted for. And I also think they have a pretty good excuse for, for that yeah. low GPA. I mean, it sounds like they really, I mean, they had to work more than 50 hours a week and they were homeless for some of their undergraduate education. So I just feel like, yeah, as soon as I saw this, I was like, well, Stanford or Harvard or Wharton would line up to take this person, assuming they can, you know, do well enough on the tests and um, write a compelling story in their, in their essays and all that stuff. But yeah, it just, and I also agree with you that, you know, getting into private equity or venture capital I mean, it's hard. And it happens most often at the very top schools. I mean, you need only look at some of the career report um, pieces that we've been running on our site to see, you know, that it's really the Harvard, Sanfords, and Whartons of the world that are sending a ton of people into private equity or venture capital. And so if they really want to make that pivot, I would strongly consider casting a wider net. Um, and I, I should add that, you know, if they do well on the test and can put together a solid application, there could be quite a bit of scholarship dollars um, put on offer to them because they're going to be sought after. Yeah. I'm, I am making the assumption that if they went to a um, historically black college or university, that they are underrepresented. Now, it's possible that they're not. I know that you don't have to be underrepresented to go to one of those institutions. I think most people are. Um, but in any event, I do want to put that out there, that there is a, a caveat. But I, yeah, I feel like they should at least, they have time to reflect on this. And so I would encourage them to really think about what else might be out there. And if they want to limit things to California, that's fine. But, you know, there's another school in the Bay Area besides Haas that they could apply to as well so that they have a couple of, um, you know, great schools on the list and maybe more of an opportunity to get, you know, some financial aid or, or whatever comes their way. So I would I would look at both Stanford and, and Haas um, at minimum. And what about their goals, Graham? I, I think potentially it might make better sense to be targeting investment banking as a stepping stone. Yeah, I mean, that would be the traditional path into it, right, to, to make, right. because it's hard to go straight. Now, I do think if you're going to Stanford and you've got the kind of, I mean, their current job or, or you know, their kind of current experience to date has all been around audit, um, corporate compliance. And so I'm assuming they know their way around a balance sheet and a, you know, cash flow statement mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I, I, I mean, I could see a venture capital or private equity firm saying, okay, well, they've got the finance chops, but 
yeah, you know, normally you would do banking first. That is the sort of easier way in. Um, and then that raises another set of questions because you might argue that, you know, some schools are better for banking than others, and they may not be overlapping with the same schools that are good for venture capital or private equity exactly. So, right. so that creates another, but I, yeah, I think they need to do some exploration and they also just need to get the, they mentioned they're going to try to take the GMAT this year. So, or, or, or whatever test it is, I think. So I really that's kind of the first step because that that test score will tell us a lot, right? So if they if they you know hit it out of the park or at least do well and feel like yeah I can add another twenty points by taking it a second time, that that's going to change the sort of calculus here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. In any event, I really appreciate them sharing their story, a really compelling story, and I just want to make sure you know obviously going to Berkeley or um, part time or full time would be fantastic. I just want to make sure they're really thinking through all of their options and. I think yeah. you agree. So, yeah. All right. So let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this one you picked is uh, a decision wire entry. And so I'll give you the, the kind of facts and figures here. This candidate um, is going to be starting school in the fall. And they applied to NYU, UCLA, Wharton, uh, UT Austin, and Yale. And it turns out that they... They got in everywhere except Wharton. So they got in at Stern, they got in at Anderson with an $80,000 scholarship, and they also got in at McCombs with $80,000. And they, they added in the comments that they just found out that they were admitted to Yale as well. And I don't know if there was money with the Yale offer or not, um, but in any event, Yale is is a school that is, has admitted them as well. Uh, they wanna, originally they were saying they wanted to get into media after business school. They're also thinking about consulting their GRE score, in case you're curious, it was a 326, and their GPA a 3.4. They're located in Austin, Texas, and you know that there are a couple of things from the notes that I want to pull out here. One is they say that they're um, waiting to decide because they're not sure if they should pursue an MBA at all. Um, a recent promotion has brought their salary and bonus into the $150,000 territory. Um, and they're wondering if, you know, even best, the sort of best kind of incomes you can get post-MBA are going to be, you know, worth it in terms of where they currently are. Um, and then the other thing they mention is that they are a 32-year-old female. And so they are thinking about starting a family, and that's part of the ROI equation for them. So, Alex, we, we talked at length about this before we <laughs> came on air. What, what do you make of this situation? Because it's an intriguing one and a complex one. Yeah, I think it is very complex. It's certainly not straightforward. Um, and it's really, I think it's the sort of decision you've got to think about the very long term. Like, what, what is life going to be like if they did pursue an MBA at this juncture in the very long term? And what will the MBA provide them? Because in the short term, you can see that there's a big concern. It'll be a drop in salary or a potential drop in salary, um, given where, she, where, where she's at now, and so on and so forth. And, um, and, and there's, there's gonna be a period of time in the next several years, um, you know, where, where um, family priorities are gonna um, come about. So that'll just make working full-time a little bit more challenging and so on and so forth. It's certainly not out of the, the question, obviously, but. Right. Um, you know, they, they, she, she has more things to factor into the calculus in the short term. In the long term, I would argue that getting an MBA gives you a little bit more freedom. 
right? So in, in you know, let's say in, in three or four years' time, um, this candidate um, decides that she, she wants to um, step away from um, her career for a year um, or, or for six months or whatever it might be in order, you know, um, to, to, to uh, bring up some family and, and so forth. Um, the opportunity that an MBA provides is being able to step back in yeah. afterwards, potentially more so than without that credential and that network and what you learn and, and the, your colleagues and so on so forth through the MBA. So I do think the MBA gives you a little bit more flexibility in the long run. It gives you a, a, a greater access to networks in the long run. Um, and quite frankly, new friendships, which, you know, I think um, we, we don't talk about. But if you think about who your mates are, Graham, um, through, through your life, I mean, your post-MBA, what, 10, 20 years? <laughs> Whatever it is now, it seems to go by very quickly. But um, your your partner in the firm is a Wharton MBA, and I'm sure there are others that you met along the way at Wharton that you're sure. still connected with, and so on and so forth. So, so there's all that to it too. Um, so, and obviously, we're a big believer in, in in the MBA. So we would we would encourage looking at the ROI from a long term perspective rather than a short term perspective. Um, and at least, um, you know, um, pursue the MBA yeah. um, and, and so forth. <laughs> then the question is where to pursue it because she wants to be in Austin long run, Graham. Mm -hmm. So to me, doing it at Macomb, Macomb's has got to be super compelling with the um, 80,000 um, scholarship um, and, and so forth. You would argue then she's double dipping at uh, UT because she went to UT as an undergrad. Um, and so maybe she should go to Anderson. And Anderson probably does have a very strong pipeline into Austin, I would think. I often think of the schools in Southern California. Well, I often think of Anderson and, and, tech, and UT McCombs as, as, as sort of being in each other's territory. Um, yeah. Good. So yeah. there's probably a good Anderson network directly in Austin. So that might well be a viable option too. I do think Yale, depending if Yale comes back with money, um, would be more compelling. And I know the Ivy League status gives it a little bit more cachet. But to me, Yale might be a bit of a high risk reward um, um, sort of um, calculus, which may not be um, the right calculus for someone with, with the, in, in these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, this is it is a fascinating um, dilemma, right? And I, I do think you and I agree one hundred percent on the idea that she should get an MBA. I mean, I, I I know that it feels risky, and I know that she's making a fair amount of money now. But it's really it's not just about the money. I mean, the, the experience that you have in an MBA program is. I mean, this is going to sound incredibly corny, but it's sort of priceless. Like you, you know, as you said, like so many people in my life are people that I, you know, encountered while I was at Wharton. Um, not, you know, you notwithstanding, right? I mean, you're one of them, right? Yeah. So there are a lot of people that, um, so yeah, I, I just think that the other thing is you correctly point out, and this is really important, is if you do want to take a step out of the workforce, it's so much easier to dive back in when you have this amazing network of people doing incredible things at virtually every company in the world. Like you have these networks that are in place and and maybe she would argue she has some of that from undergrad, but I just find that, you know, the, the MBA network is a really strong one. And so that's another reason. As to where she should go, it's a that is a tougher call. I mean, I usually don't recommend people double 
double dip. If they already went to the undergraduate institution, don't go back there for the MBA. But she wants to be in Austin and, and UT Austin is giving her 80 grand and you know, Yale's not giving her anything. So I, that does create a pretty big dilemma. I think most people would argue that you know, Yale's the higher ranked school. Uh, the fact that she mentioned consulting throws a little bit of a wrench in the works as well, because originally if it's like media, you know, you could say, well, Austin's kind of a good tech hub, you know, hub and good energy hub or Texas in general. Um, LA, she's got this offer at Anderson is known for media and entertainment. And so that suddenly with 80 grand from them looks pretty good. Uh, NYU is not offering any money. Otherwise I'd put them in the mix too. But so it, it's tricky because if she wants to do consulting, that's a whole other kettle of fish. And I, I do feel like you know, Yale does get an edge with consulting because they placed, I can't remember the figure, but it was an, an extraordinary number of their graduates went into consulting last year. And, you know, they have a lot of ties into MBB jobs. So yeah, yeah, this is not easy. I mean, I would encourage her to spend some time at, you know, welcome events and and really do some soul searching about what it is she wants to do career-wise. But I do think we both agree, absolutely take the plunge I was going to say, you know, there were a number of people at Wharton who had kids while they were doing the MBA when I was there. And I still see that to be the case. There are always a handful of um, students who start a family while they're in business school, which may sound like a crazy thing to do. Um, but on some levels, you know, your schedule is a bit more flexible. If you have a supportive partner who can, you know, pick up some of the slack, um, it's not a bad time and not a bad place in which to raise a, a kind of newborn. So I don't know, that's another, just to add another layer of complexity to it all as something to think about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a very good point. And you also make another great point. If consulting becomes the focus that does probably make Yale more compelling because, again, the average starting salary is those going into consulting um, does actually even make the short-term option um, yeah. more, much more viable. Yeah. So in any event, I'm glad that you picked this one because it's a topic that we haven't discussed a lot. And yeah. I know that, you know, for a lot of um, female candidates for business school, this is a consideration. This like, where do you put the family piece in? I mean, it's a consideration yeah. for men as well, but it's not the same, you know, because you're, yeah. you know, just carrying a baby through term with pregnancy is a whole other thing. So I just, yeah, I just feel like... Um, it, I, I don't, I mean, it's a tough, tough decision, but I think going to business school is the right call. It's just a question of where and and then the whole family stuff, when to do that, et cetera. So um, anyway, wish her the best of luck. I really appreciate her sharing that story. Um, let's move on though and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So our last entry for the week comes from a Decision Wire post, and this person only applied to two schools, uh, Michigan, Ross, and UCLA Anderson. And they, um, looks like they don't know where they want to go yet. Um, They had a GRE score of 326. They want to work in tech, and they actually mentioned Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, so the usual suspects. And they, you know, they're trying to make this decision and, and you know, they, they did mention, I got to give them a shout out. They said they are a huge fan of the pod, um, Alex. So they talk, I guess they were writing that's you. So um, they said that they want to do uh, kind of a PM role in big tech on the West Coast post MBA. So, and in the long term, they want to stay on the West Coast or maybe in the South where they grew up. 
and they're wondering if UCLA is the right choice or is it a touch below Ross in prestige and has less uh, less national alumni base. So that was the kind of question is, should they go to Ross or, or Anderson? And you and Elliot on our team both chimed in with conflicting advice, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little bit conflicting, but at the end of the day, these two programs in my mind are in the same tier. Now, sure, Anderson might be at the lower end of the tier, but they're effectively in the same tier mm-hmm. um, and, and, and so forth. Now, um, if they want to work in LA and Southern California, then I think Anderson is, 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 is their the better bet, right? So big tech, Southern California um, and so forth. If they want to work on the East Coast or in, in different parts of the United States, that certainly Ross probably gives them more options um, geographically. Um, but I don't know that that's because of prestige or quality of program. I just think it's because Anderson's concentration of alum really focuses on that sort of um, you know California, West Coast um, region. So they have strong concentration in terms of where their alumni are versus Ross, which doesn't, because Ross is in, um, I forget where it is, in, Ann in Arbor. Michigan somewhere, <laughs> Michigan, which is yeah. not a, a cradle of, of, you know, it's not a place where people, people don't, I mean, I hate to say something about a place I don't really know much about, but people don't necessarily go to Ross because they want to work in Ann Arbor in the long run. Right. I think I think right? a lot of people go there because they want to be in Ann Arbor for the two-year experience because it's one yeah. of America's like greatest yeah. kind of college towns. But you're which, right in which, that which, it's not where people... perfect. Yeah. And it's not they, where they, people they, say they want to work afterwards necessarily. Yeah. yeah. They're not going there to work in Ann Arbor. Right. That's why when you look at Ross's employment report, it appears that they do a really good job of placing people... Um, all over the United States because they don't want to stay in Ann Arbor. Right. Um, so, so you have this sort of idea that oh, Anderson's only good because it can only place me in in Southern California or in California, um, but Ross can place me in lots of different places. So Ross is better. I I would argue they're both comparable. Um, it just so happens there's more opportunity in in California and Southern California. So. Um, Anderson um, is able to place a lot more locally. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, they want big tech. I think both programs are pretty well, very well equipped in providing access to big tech. Um, and, and obviously the current economic environment is going to make it a little bit more interesting in the next uh, year or two. But, but both programs, I think, provide them access. Um, I think they need to just make the real astute decision where do they want to be geographically uh, post-MBA? And if it's not in on the West Coast, that does then tilt towards Ross. If it is on the West Coast, it's going to tilt towards Anderson. Yeah, it's a tough call in the sense that, you know, you talk about these tiers, and I would agree that, you know, Ross is, is probably at the, you know, higher end of that tier if you're referring to kind of a top 16 type grouping of, you know, of schools or something, but it's... Higher or lower end, depending on your, your meaning of high and low. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Higher in terms of number. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, or in but, terms of, yeah, yeah. But, but in any event. So it, it's interesting though, because Elliot um, on our team, in his comment, he pointed out that Ross does a better job at placing people with big tech 
Um, so if you're thinking of the big brand names, that they actually sent more people to work for those firms than, say, Anderson. But of course, if you're talking about tech writ, writ large and, and being a PM at any, you know, I mean, there are lots of tech companies, then Anderson might be just as good, you know. So, and and I do, I mean, one of the things that you mentioned is the, the current kind of economic situation. I mean, we've seen all of these big tech companies basically freeze hiring and lay people off. <laughs> so... Now, granted, this person won't be graduating for a couple of years, and things may look very different by then. But if I were factoring that in, I might say, gee, you know, if I'm a company recruiting, I may be more inclined to recruit in my backyard, um, you know, if I'm cutting back, right. right? So, you know, there could be some other arguments for Anderson in that respect. But, yeah, this is a tough call because I hear them when they say that they, you know, they know Ross is, is you know, a little more prestigious in some respects and maybe has a more... Um, uh, an alumni network that's a bit more spread out. So in any event, um, it's a good dilemma and I'm glad that you <laughs> selected it. I, I wish that person best of luck as they kind of figure it out. Hopefully they'll attend the welcome events and see what, you know, what, what they make of it. Cause that may, there, yeah. there's a fit question too here. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you had, uh, you know, five people with this choice, three, three would choose one and two would choose the other. Yeah, it's not it's, a clear cut. It's it, not a clear cut decision. Yeah. Agreed. So um, in any event, uh, thanks for picking these out as always. Um, this was a really interesting set. Uh, I think I say that every week, but that's why we do this. I, I do, I mean, a number of people have written to us and said that by hearing all these different cases, it really helps them to refine their own application strategy. So um, that's always nice to hear. Uh, in any event, Alex, we'll get together and do this again in one week's time. And uh, yeah, thanks for all your work on this. Well, you say that, but it's going to be a different type of episode for oh, our Oh yeah, because we're going to do our, yeah, that's right. We have a special yeah. episode coming up where we're going to talk a little bit about military stuff. So yeah, stay tuned for yeah. that. And then we'll be back to our usual programming the week after. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Good luck.